0: Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. We've been sharing a conversation with Jane Jackson, one of my Click That Teaches coaches. In last week's episode, Jane described a procedure she developed to help her super vigilant horse, Percy, to be able to go with her away from the barn without constantly spooking and needing to look at every little change in the environment. Jane followed a five-day pattern, which she described for us. Day one was Exploration Day. Day two was Foundation Lessons Day. On day three, she built short chains using the foundation behaviors. And on day four, she introduced a relatively new behavior. And on day five, she combined that behavior with the foundation lessons to produce even longer chains. On day six, she moved to a new location, which was very close to the area she had just been working in. And she began the process all over again. We stopped just as we were beginning to discuss another procedure she had used the year before. This one helped all her horses adjust to daily environmental changes. We'll pick up again where we left off in this part of the conversation. That's often when you see at clinics, it's so ironic because sometimes it's the resident horses that struggle the most because they're... They, they know what their world normally looks like. Their, their world does not normally have a line of chairs and all these people yep. in it. But the the horses coming in for all they know that's how this arena always yep. looks.
1: We used to say that when is we that were change? when we were eventing, was that people would say to the the yeah. resident, you know, so a farm is hosting an event, and we'd say, oh well, you live here, you're so lucky, you got to school all over, over all these jumps, uh-huh. and they would say, and their horses would say. Those jumps didn't have flags and numbers on them yesterday when we were schooling for the last six months. That's right. Now they do. That's, That's right. different. And the horses that came in That's right. they'd never seen those jumps before, so they had no expectation of what they were supposed to look like.
0: So I think maybe you need to describe the Change Something Every Day okay. experiment. Because that was that was I just thought that was fascinating and brilliant and what a good idea to actually Implement it. So that was
1: 2017's project, <laughs> in which, so all these youngsters that I raised, all these youngsters, these three youngsters that I raised, um, you know, we played the touch the goblins game, which is, you know, one of Alex's games that if they see something scary, you walk up and you touch it, and you get a click and a treat, and over time they learn to be very brave and bold with new and scary things, although. Stimulus control is important, I learned, when my young horses would yes. drag me toward a hay rake and want to touch it. And I'd say, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, we just orient to yeah. this one. Um, we just, all you have to do yeah, is right. look at it. You don't it. have to touch it. You don't have to get one of those tines up your nostril. Um, right. So they had all learned that if they saw something scary, they could walk up to it, touch it, and get a click and a treat. So most things weren't scary as long as they could touch it it was all these we can't touch everything in the world Mm -hmm. we certainly can't touch bears coming out of the woods we can't touch the cattle that are 20 acres away but on the top of the hill so i was having trouble with percy but you know the other horses would look as well when they would see something in the distance so if i was working in the arena for instance and my husband was out working sheep on the hillside, you know, they wanted to stop and watch it. They didn't want to ignore it. And I couldn't take them up to the sheep and the border collie and the husband and all the moving to say, okay, this is it, you can sniff it, you can touch it, you can get a click and a treat, and now we'll walk 20 acres back to the the arena and finish the day. So I wanted them to get used to things that they couldn't touch and that they couldn't interact with. So I set a timer on my phone for every morning so that it would go off, just in case I forgot, it would go off while I was doing my chores. And it said, change something or something like that. And what that meant was I had to go out and look around at my horse's environment and I had to change something. Um, And so I started with hula hoops because they weren't, There was something that they were... My goal was not to terrify my horses. My goal was just to gradually introduce things, changes in the environment. So I knew they were comfortable with hula hoops because we'd done stuff with them before. So the first day I just took one out and I propped it up outside, you know, against a fence post or something, outside their paddock. And it was just there. And they kind of looked at it and thought it was weird. And then the next day I moved it. And the day after that, I moved it. So every day it was like in a different place until they weren't, you know, I could turn them out in the morning and they weren't even noticing it. So then I did different things. And so I started hanging, you know, I got some of that plastic tape and I hung streamers of tape off of a hula hoop and hung it in places. And over time, I started hanging it in places that it would move more. So the big arch over the the round pen gate goes I don't know 15 feet up into the air or something and so by hanging it there it could spin freely in the breeze and move around and then I added different things so that every day all year when my horses came out of the barn they would see something different or when we walked to the arena but I made sure it was always where everybody could see it but nobody could touch it because I didn't want them to be able to go up and experiment with it, not to mention that they would have dragged it into the paddock, had all kinds of fun with it. So that just got everybody used to something different in the environment. And I say in my blog post, the thing that really blew my mind was at the end of the year, I got a load of shavings, and and we get our shavings in bales, and they're wrapped in plastic wrap. But they get delivered on a pallet of 40 shavings, and the entire pallet is wrapped with bale wrap. So that those big, like three feet wide sheets of white plastic, the whole thing was, is wrapped in that. And we had gotten a pallet load and it had rained so that when I unwrapped it, I had this, you know, I hate that plastic stuff, but I had this, you know, like 50 foot long roll of wet plastic. And thankfully we can recycle it, but I needed to get it dry. And I had a working student there with me that day, and I said, "Would you just hang this on the round pen?" And in my mind, she was just sort of going to drape it over the round pen that was furthest from the paddock so that it could dry in the sun because it was a sunny day. And I went into the bar to do something I came out, and she had wo- so I have two round pens, and they're probably 30 feet apart. And she had woven this back and forth. Between the round pens, and it was October, so it was like this (laughs) enormous spider web decoration of white plastic just wrapped around all of the, the round pens back and forth. And I took one look at it, and a lifelong horse person, my heart jumped into my throat, because we all know plastic is the scariest thing in the world. And I turned around and
2: looked at the horses, and they weren't even looking at it. Well, the horse said, well, Jane really outdid herself today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She had to bring in help to start creating scary (laughs) stuff. (laughs) um so yeah so during you know 2017 they did get used to constant changes in their environment and you're right alex that may have been an important foundation to everything else that i did this past year
2: yes well i love how methodical and how you keep the data and i think that's fabulous and that you stay with
0: You stay with something long enough. Yes, That was an expression that I learned from John Lyons. The the longer you stay with an exercise, the more good things that you see that it gives you. And that, to me, that is a real core training mantra. The longer you stay with an exercise, the more good things you see that it gives you. And that very often people stop too soon. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll do, they'll spend a day or two or three Hmm. working with something and then they're on to something else. Hmm. But when I've really had the, uh, I want to say sort of the huge breakthrough moments or real discoveries or real uh, advancements in what my horses are doing, it's because I stayed for a long time studying one tiny little aspect of the work or staying with an exercise over a period of many, many, many sessions, and you get this huge cumulative effect. And that's really what you're seeing with Percy. And, you know,
1: I mean, if anybody listening is interested in trying something like this and you think, well, I'm not going to waste a whole year just doing this, another piece of it is that you know so i started in february and the snow melts by june around here um, right. once my once the snow melted and my arena opened up i went to every other day so that i was working in the arena on alternate days as well so i could go on you know we were working on other things but i was able to continue that prog- project and progress on an every other day basis and honestly Part of my mind also is that those days will become the same maybe this year and that we'll work in the arena for 20 minutes and then we'll go for a walk so that I'll still be able to make progress while it's not as if I have to neglect everything else I ever wanted to do with my horse. And that's more real life. You know, you work for a while and then you take them for a hack or vice versa, you go out for a hack and then you go work in the arena for a little while, so.
2: But you know what's great about this too? What I, for me, what it really boils down to is when you feel that you are progressing, I think, you know, you know you're on the right track. Right. I find it's interesting, like when you have a project like this, I would love to dissect it with uh, people like Susan mm-hmm. and Jesus to understand more. But bottom line for practical, real life, is that you made progress and so you know you made the right choices for your for this animal cuz you it went in the right direction and that that is on you know there's you can't um it's, it's undeniable you know if if you made progress and you can now take this horse down the road it says something and you know dominique
0: how you're always asking me the duration question how do I build duration? Yeah. How do, well, yeah. this—I mean, this is duration. So, Jane started with a horse yeah. who had very little duration in terms of being able to walk away from the barn, mm-hmm. um, and now you can walk considerable distances with this horse, staying relaxed next to you. So, you've built duration, and this is a, a one of many strategies. For building duration so
2: would you say this is an example of bending the um, the coat hanger the, co- the right. coat hanger small and uns every every day every day for nine months right. but what I'm building duration in
1: is emotions yes I'm not building duration in ability this horse can walk it's not that I'm building mm. duration in good behavior I'm building duration in emotional relaxation well this this (laughs) and what you said earlier dominique too is so true is i would love to ask susan you know i this horse was at threshold
2: constantly i know that's Um, that's what makes this case so interesting and that brings up so many questions for me well
1: and you know I'll tell you and I don't have results so this is a tease but (laughs) I have used this I took this same method and I've used it three other ways so I used it also with Percy in the arena and I won't go into detail on how I did this but basically I used I wanted to get him comfortable doing different things in the arena that normally got him emotionally upset Mm -hmm. and I used it with him and it was incredibly effective so that's what I did starting in June on every other day I've also used it with two dogs fearful dogs of clients and the reason I say I don't have results is because they're not my animals and um, so I don't know how far people took it but I do know that they were animals which had so much fear that they weren't going to just get used to people by giving them time. Mm -hmm. These were animals who had such a fearful history that they were willing to go, you know, in one situation, the dog, you know, was on a long rope, and whenever I came, she would go hide in the woods. And because of her history, we don't know exactly what it was, But when you get these animals who are incredibly fearful of something, maybe it's history, maybe it's genetic, by giving... I I feel like you have to have them at threshold because they're never going to voluntarily push that themselves. You know, we think of dogs wanting to be social, so if they just get used to our presence, they will then allow us to get closer and closer. But if their history has taught them that people are dangerous, why would they ever make that move? So whether it's a hoarding situation well,
2: it's it's control. it's it's always that reinforcer having control over your own outcomes. And
1: if you have learned that the the way to be safest is to just avoid people completely?
2: Well, that's what when you t- throw a tantrum, that's a way to control your outcome. Because obviously it has worked for these animals that, you know, if they go back and forth, back and forth like frenetic animals, people will leave them alone and won't ask for much because they're so difficult to handle. So it has, this behavior has been reinforced in the past somehow. Right. But when it's fearful behavior, and that's what
1: I'm wondering if, if that's the connecting link To the four situations I've used is they were all fear-based, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, so the reactivity wasn't acting out. It's it wasn't a, you know, aggression situation to get people away. It was a complete avoidance of the scary thing, whether it was the environment or in the case of the two dogs, the people. And so by giving them a set routine of three to five behaviors that we're going to do and we're going to practice them without anybody around. And once you're solid with them and you know what you're doing and you're comfortable responding, now we're going to introduce a person into the environment at a huge distance. And I'm just going to ask you to do these five behaviors and then you can go hide under the bed again. And the next time that person comes, I'm going to ask you to go 10 feet closer and we're going to do these five behaviors and then you can go hide under the bed again. And I saw progress. As I say, I don't have end results because they're not my animals and at some point people's budgets run out and they can no longer keep doing this. But with one dog, the one who literally hid in the woods the day I went to do an evaluation, six weeks later she took food out of my hand. Wow. And she and that's only once a week going to see her. Wow.
0: And she wouldn't do that with anybody else. The neat thing, Jane, is by sharing this in this podcast, we've now you've now shared this with a lot of people. And we did the podcast last summer with Michaela Hempen, where she introduced us to the format of single subject design studies. Mm -hmm. And we talked about becoming citizen scientists and how to collect data. So I dare say that there will be people listening to this podcast who have horses that whose world has shrunk down to very small areas. Because for whatever reason, they have not been able to handle the horses when they start to move into more challenging, more distracting, more distant locations around their property. And so it will be really interesting. I suspect there will be people who are going to get curious and create their own version of what you have done. And I hope that they do. And I would love to hear about it. Exactly. We want to hear about it. We want you to collect. We want people to try it. We want people to collect data, to, to get in touch with Jane, to get it to stay in touch with us. So Jane, speaking of getting in touch with, with you, so your website again is... So
1: yes, everything is Bookends Farm. So the website is bookendsfarm.com. The blog is bookendsfarm.blogspot.com, and my email address is bookendsfarm@gmail.com.
0: And and I know from uh, if you can't remember all of that, if you just do a Google search on Jane Jackson, you'll turn you'll you'll turn up on that and and that. Uh, you're looking for the Bookends Farm, yep. and you 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 teach at your farm. So you're in upstate right. uh, Vermont. You're in the northern part of Vermont, mm-hmm. and you give lessons. Yeah, and you have and I have
1: ponies here that will that give clicker training lessons. Yes, you know they
0: they are great to play with. And you also have your uh, summer workshop, your your Vermont intensive. Yep. Uh, do you want to say a word or two about that? Yeah, where I invite other people. And I also have a Jack
1: Russell on the end of a squeaky toy who is telling me it's time to get
0: out of that chair. <laughs> it's time to go for a walk. Yes, 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 yes. Well, he's probably right. We've we've talked for quite a while today. And I hope that, that there are people who do take what you've done. and And of course... It's always study of one. It's always season to taste. Yeah. So you may have to adapt it to your own horse, your own environment, your own skill level. I think that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go through the introduction at the beginning of this, that t- so that people can understand the level of, of horse knowledge that you are bringing to this equation, as well as your understanding of uh, clicker training. But I hope people do give it a try, because this is a world expander. And when you can take your horses beyond the certain boundaries yeah. of what has locked them in, that is liberating. Mm. And it's liberating. Right. It's not just, as you say, it's not the ge- just geographically liberating. It's emotionally liberating. Well
1: that's my hope as you know as Dominique said this is a horse who sort of lives in fear all the time my hope is that by getting him out and around and walking him to all the places he can see that maybe he'll relax a little bit more in his pasture you know, when the sheep do come over the hill in the distance or whatnot.
2: Right. Or when the cows change color. My goodness. I mean, I'm not going to change his genes. Well, you're not, change- you're not going to change his gene, but you're certainly changing his experience of the world. Exactly. Yeah. That there's another way to
0: react. And yes, he, right. he, he'll probably always be right. the vigilant horse. But he can be more comfortable in his own skin. Well, you know,
1: when when my daughter, after we weaned him from his mother, and my daughter took her mare back, she decided to stay out west. And so the mare got trucked out west. (laughs) You want to take a vigilant horse and drop her into the middle of Wyoming where the horizon is miles and miles and miles away. She did a lot of standing and staring, so... There's a
0: big, wide world
1: out there to look yeah, at.
0: There is, and in, and until you have lived with one of these very vigilant horses, you really cannot appreciate the training challenges that they present. I, you know, the 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 opposite of that is like our Icelandics, who are just so laid back about everything. I'm still floored whenever I think about it with Sindri, who's who was our stallion, and. He came from Iceland. There are no trees in Iceland. And we picked him up from the quarantine. So I know what he was exposed to here in North America. And the first time that I rode him, that I rode him out um, trail riding under trees, he didn't even look. There was no sightseeing. You would think there'd Uh be at least some curiosity about, oh, Uh look at how different the world looks. But no sightseeing whatsoever. Uh-huh. And then you have the horses, like Percy, yeah. who, when a leaf moves,
2: he's noticing. And there, and for an owner, yeah. I think there's joy in both. Yeah. Because the laid-back animal is a joy to be with, Absolutely. to be around. But the Percys of this world are the ones that really make us grow. Oh, yes. Um, so it's... Um, so joy in yep. no matter what. <laughs> yes. Well, and I mm-hmm. will say that this conversation has been
0: a joy. Hopefully we will uh, do it Words. again. Absolutely. Because we definitely want will want Percy updates and we'll want to hear what your plans for twenty nineteen and what you've if if twenty seventeen was change things and 2018 was uh, go a little further. What you're going to create in 2019, I'm sure, will be equally fascinating. And you do write magnificently. So I hope people do look up your blog because the articles are superb. Well, thank you. And I know many people know you already through the Internet because you have been incredibly generous with your time on many of the forums and i have always appreciated it when you jump in with uh one of your posts on like with the online course with the that forum uh when you've jumped in with responses there because your depth of knowledge and your understanding of clicker training your caring for the horses well-being and just that very clear down to earth instruction And I would say one of the things that we didn't even talk about it, but that's another subject for another podcast, is one of your great interests is basic husbandry. Yes. Yes. The teaching of good basic husbandry. But we'll save that for another day.
1: Okay. Well, and you know, I just have to add, for all those kind things you just said, I have received so much from so many in the form of education and free advice on internet forums and courses and people not least of which you yourself so um, i'm more than happy to be able to share that with others in ways that i can so
0: we're we're a generous bunch clicker trainers (laughs) it's a wonderful (laughs) culture to be in it is because it's something
2: you want to share you don't want to hold it and keep it to yourself you want to share it and it it never ends you know it's always like we we Cause this is still evolving and projects like this one the one with Percy I think it you know it brings something to to the general knowledge and it helps us to move forward I know the next time I see Jesus and Susan I'll have a couple of questions for them on that. <laughs> yeah. well be sure to let me know what you find
0: out because yeah. you will probably That's see right. them before I do yeah probably yeah, You know what, it, it may, mustn't keep doing this or we'll keep talking, but it, it made me think of the 300 Peck Pigeon Project that I did with Robin umpteen zillion years ago. Completely different structure, completely different rule set, but it, it was that that there was this rule set that we were following that was designed ultimately to deal with the emotions. Right. So so much to talk about so
2: that's all you're going to say about it that is
0: That is. that is okay <laughs> such
2: self-control yeah, that's right okay yep i'll bring right. it up in the next podcast okay <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll let you do that the but 300 pecks 300 peck pigeon yeah i think i know what it is and if it is what i think it is i have a question of course about it <laughs>
0: Of course of course but we'll
2: keep it for next time. that's right that's right because jane there will definitely be a next
0: time well good but i suspect that your your dog is wanting you to yeah he's been good so he's been good yes yeah. yeah, so i was listening to the squeaky toy <laughs> but it's it's time to um to thank you immensely for a great conversation and um well likewise yeah. and it's been great
1: fun yeah
0: Good, so we'll say goodbye for now. Thank you, Jane. And, all right, good. Stay warm, everybody. That's right. Bye. That's right. This concludes our conversation with Jane. She has certainly given us a lot of food for thought. Last summer, if you remember, we did a podcast with Michaela Hempen in which she explained how single-subject design studies work. Science and training have this in common. When you get a good result, you need to test it to see how well it works when you apply it to other individuals. In this podcast, Jane told us how she tried her world expanding protocol with a couple of dogs. So she is already testing her own procedure. This is how I worked when I was developing the core lessons of equine clicker training. I would start out by asking my own horses what they thought of an idea And my horses are very different from one another. So it was always fascinating to me to see the effect that a particular procedure might have with them. And if I liked what I was getting, I would then try it with other horses that I was working with. And if I still liked what I was getting, I would then write about it so others could test the new procedure. And I would also expand it out and and try it with more of the horses that I was encountering. And whenever I found a procedure that brought the outliers on the bell-shaped curve more into the middle, I was particularly excited, especially if it brought them from both ends. That's when you know you have something that's really worth sharing. And I found it's often the case that the same procedure mellows out both extremes. And anything that helps the outer ends of The bell-shaped curve, i found, also just really makes the middle. The horses that sit more in the middle just so much better. So what all of this boils down to is I do hope some of you try the two procedures that Jane has explained so well in this podcast. There are even more details in her blog articles, so do check those out. And I also hope if you try any of these procedures, that you report back to all of us with your discoveries. You can reach Jane through her website and you know how to reach us through the equiocity.com website. So next week we'll be starting a new conversation and until then, have fun with your training.